On March 3, 1964, Isabel Shelton of the Washington Star conducted a phone interview with President Lyndon Baines Johnson. Shelton was following up on details having to do with Johnson's youth, his early jobs, and especially his relationship with his mother, Rebecca Baines. Johnson, however, was more eager for Shelton to report on how many women he and his administration were appointing as judges and bankers. We join Shelton and the President as they discuss his matriculation at Southwest Texas State Teachers College. I'm a matter of the college. Your mother probably didn't help you with your college subjects then, did she, since she wasn't there? Yes, oh yes. She helped me on everything. I went home every few weeks. Uh-huh. She helped me on everything till the day she died. She'd be up with me now if she's here. And she'd be telling me what not to say in some of these speeches. Uh, um, and my wife does, too, on everything. Oh, that's another thing you said I wish you'd go over. She said You said that your mother... Uh, could always do everything that anybody else couldn't do in the house, and that Ray Bird did too. Do you, you kind of remember that? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Bird can still write the best speech of anybody in the family. Hmm. And, uh, her judgment's better on reading something and giving an analysis. She can always tell you what she didn't like about the speech at the armory the other night. Oh, dear. So, uh, the last third was much better than the first third. Uh -huh go too fast or you go too slow. She's always got the most uh, discerning observation. Uh-huh. Um, you said once that uh, you, to me in that, that day that your woman was... She's always raised male about women, and I don't believe you women pay much attention to her, but she's done more for women. I believe that she's got, as a result of her persistence and what we've done, I believe there are over three or four hundred women that make over ten thousand a year that have been advanced some way or other in the last thirty days. Well, only our first step from that angle, and I, I sure hadn't. I certainly didn't. You want see, to get we don't reach out and get. We don't just reach out and get a new new woman. We we take a woman that may work faithfully as a chart cleaner, yeah, or as a typist or a secretary. I'm yeah. looking for one now to point on the bench. Mm -hmm. I'm looking one to make a banker out of, mm. but it may be one that's working over in treasure somewhere. Uh-huh. Uh, you said that your mother was uh, the strongest woman I ever knew. I remember that. Uh, what specifically points to that? Now, you've told me a lot of things about how she Oh, well, she'd see your leg broken in two, or she'd see your face cut open. She'd look at it and never cry. She... She just, uh, she didn't, didn't believe in self-pity, and she didn't believe in being a martyr, and she could just take it. She was absolutely selfless. I uh, only think she was a little bit, uh, a little bit too uh, uh, selfish as far as her children concerned. She put them ahead of anything in her own life, even her own husband. For Rebecca Baines, motherhood was an act of self-annihilation. We remember her only as a mother, if we remember her at all. Yet we cannot say the same of pioneering First Lady Lady Bird Johnson, a self-made millionaire, the first First Lady to have her own press secretary and chief of staff. And Lady Bird was a mother, too. And this is the Third Strongest Podcast. So last time we were contemplating whether to delve into the past as per our destiny. Well, we probably it, should. It has, yeah. If it's our destiny, then we have to do it. Yeah, I suppose. You know, something that I keep thinking about after we record 
or before we record, while we're while I'm playing the game, and I'm like, I should bring that up on the show, is the the amount of insisting that Ness is the most important, most powerful person in the world that this game does. It keeps hammering home. Like I, I, I think it's to the point of parody that it's like, you're the chosen one. You're the chosen one. Every, everything in the universe is about you succeeding. Mm-hmm. As, as we get further into the game, I think that the, um, it becomes easier to forget the parodic elements of the game and treat it as just straight urban fantasy. The kid really is going to save the universe. But if you like keep in mind the context of the first three hours of the game, I think that you have a reason to think that some of this really over-the-top dramatic stuff at the end might not be intended as entirely serious. I honestly never considered that. By the time we get to this point, everything feels very serious. But you're right. That is a good thing to keep in mind. You can employ both. I mean, you can do something that is playing it very... I mean, that's probably what Ryan's saying. is very straight-faced is this very serious thing that is also kind of having a joke at the... like the concept's expense. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I said in the first episode is that Earthbound really wants to have it both ways all the way through. Yeah. But I don't remember like in the, in the discourse about the last part of the game, everyone treats it as like as serious as possible and kind of forgets that this game is stupid in many ways. Mm -hmm. And I think one element that possibly is not intended as 100% serious is the fact that Ness is so powerful. And like I was showing you those those uh, data on like leveling up, the game refuses to let the other characters approach Ness's power. Mm-hmm. It really is. I think it's like looking at the power fantasies of other fantasy RPGs and kind of dialing that way up for uh parodic purposes Mm. not totally parodic purposes but not totally serious purposes anyway i turn into a robot well there is something upsetting cutscene. what there is something very funny here in this point actually that i appreciated which is when dr andonet says uh do you want to do this are you sure you want to do this and if you say no he says, I see. Jeff, you do it. Oh, yeah. And then you can say yes or no again. And if you say no, he says, oh, you lost your nerve. Ness, it's up to you. And then it just keeps going <laughs> back and forth between the two of them. So one of you has to decide to go into the phase disorder and become robots. Uh, I thought I found that pretty good. That's really good. And that's a step beyond just writing a funny response to know that loops back to the original question. It takes extra work to code that. So yeah, <laughs> extra points. Yeah. And it's nice that it's like Jeff's dad. So it's yeah. a more extra bit of context. Yeah. And then dramatic robot. Well, hold on. Uh, now I get to interu- uh, ter- in- interrupt you. Okay. 
Fair. The way they should have done it was if Jeff refuses to do it, then he asks Paul, then he asks Pooh, then he then he loops back to Ness. Yeah, that would have been interesting. That would have been funny. But the, we don't have that kind of time. But we know the, Pooh would have done it. He does he does whatever needs to be done, like when he handed over that ruby. <laughs> oh, that'd be funny, actually. That, that would be really funny. Yeah. I was gonna say that that joke would be like too far for me at that point. It would have like leaned over too far over the rail and been kind Except of stupid. Except that's if you hit no four times. But if you get to the end and Pooh just does it and you don't yeah. get a yes or no because that's Pooh's character, that makes that whole scenario work in my brain in a yeah. way that's very good. Well, someone's got to do it. Yeah. And we got to get a horrible nightmarish cutscene for it. Or mm-hmm. I think this is before technically, but we uh, didn't talk about the... I don't think we talked about the getting turned into robots. Yeah. yeah. I hate this. Getting turned into robots is all your friends are lying there with their eyes closed and just kind of shaking mm-hmm. while really upsetting drill noises happen. Yeah, it's very aggressive. It manages and to there's be some flashing lights. Yeah. It it manages to be like body horror but without actually anything gross happening. Yeah. yeah. It's like implied and it's ooh, ugh. The drill noises, I'm saying drill noises because I don't remember any other sounds in the mix. It seems like just a lot of drills, basically, or motors. Uh, But they, there are separate, like, tracks, separate effects for each of the four kids being operated on. uh, Because Mm -hmm. if you did the same, like, sound effect for each of the four kids, then it would... Uh, it would come off as fake. It does not come off as fake. It comes off as very real, too real. I'm pretty sure it's the same track every time, but... No. Pretty sure it is. I'm, like, hearing it in my head now, which is not good, because that's a, something I want to get mm. out of my head. Um. Well, it's good that we have all this time to pause so I can go back and insert the correction of here's all the different noises and they are different i don't look forward to hearing that but it's important that we do it well i can't get a clean version of the audio so i'll spare you um but i think zach's right i looked at it a little bit and it's, it sounded like it was the same but i can't i didn't listen to the whole thing because it was upsetting and because this youtube guy was like talking over the whole thing telling me what was happening Apologies to the listener. <laughs> and then you show the phase disorder. We get the uh, the the conversation that we talked about, and then we get the traveling or I guess warping through time effect, which is just this O overlapping the screen in this very like chintzy sci-fi movie way. Yes. Which is not. But it's also they... like completely different from any of the effects we've seen so far. I mean, it's kind of yes. similar to entering a battle, but not mm. not, not in any yes. specific way. So they are they managed to set it up as a new effect. I like all the individual details that I'm obsessing over here. I I'm pointing out that there that some care has been taken because I want to make the case that. Like, they weren't just phoning it in at this point. Oh, no. Um, th- something you can 
expect maybe reasonably or maybe not about a SNES RPG is that maybe the last half an hour or so is thrown together because they wanted to finish the game. They put all the care into the first <laughs> town and not the rest of the game, uh, but that's <laughs> not the case here. I, I'm, I'm naming names of games in my head right now. Name it out loud. Uh, you ever heard of the Twisted Tales of Spike McFing? This no. Nobody's ever heard of the Super Nintendo game, <laughs> but it's this like top-down Zelda-ish thing where you're a really cute vampire. Your health is like tomatoes instead of hearts. What? You fight cute little garlic enemies. It's a game that makes this incredible first impression and has like a really cool first dungeon. And that's like all the game has the back if you've played that you've played like 50 percent of the game and then the back half of the game it's like had no development time whatsoever it's a fascinating thing to look at when you like realize that you've already played through most of the game after the first dungeon uh it's cute it's really cute they should make another one it looks cute I have no idea who owns the rights to that. But anyways. Anyways, I'm going to teleport to the past. The cave of the past. And I'm a robot now. Wow. Being a robot is fine. (laughs) Um, You clank around when you walk, but that's okay. Yeah. You have all the same stats and all the same stuff, and food has the same effect on you sure. as it did when you were a biological being, and you have all the same psychic powers. That'll make sense to me. This thing happened to me, and I don't know if this is every single playthrough, but as soon as we stepped out, we stepped on a butterfly. Is there? Does that always happen? It was very dramatic. No it was very, like, it felt like a like a plot thing because it was stepping on a butterfly in the past but it was kind of oh cool. my gosh <laughs> and i was like oh we just changed something <laughs> but you know <laughs> there were other butterflies later and i was like oh that might have just been random chance but it happened immediately yeah, that's funny i've never seen that butterfly <laughs> okay. no that was pretty funny uh the past it it's the same cave we were in before, but everything is chrome. Like yeah. a robot. The, the interpretation of the past here is that everything is chrome. Now, mm-hmm. it could be that just like this area is chrome because this is Gygus's base and Gygus is all chrome everything. Mm-hmm. But like, or is it that we've gone so far in the past that this is what the Earth is like? Hmm. Yeah. Um, we've hit some primordial stage of the Earth where everything is metal and is not fully like formed yet. Now I gotta say, I don't read the general landscape as chrome. To me, that's like white or gray rock. It's not necessarily metallic. Okay. Uh, but certainly all the objects that you encounter are some kind of chrome stuff. And most of the enemies you encounter are uh, robotic or bionic. And there's a definite sense of sterility. Like, mm-hmm. 
it it really looks like if if they hadn't said you have to go to the past, um, it looks like you've gone into the deep deep future. Yes. Yeah. Maybe there's a circular thing going on. It could be a circular thing going on. Um, it's it, it's wild because if the game has the the mother three like anxiety about progress and technology, then having guy gets attacked from the future would make so much more sense. Hmm. And uh, saying that guy gets is in the past. Guy gets is attacking us from the past is kind of a throwing the player for a loop uh, because everything up to now has been futuristic. And indeed, Buzz Buzz came from the future. The whole thing in the um, the interpretation of the um, story about the Apple of Enlightenment kind of makes more sense if it's happening in the future. No, it mm-hmm. doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but like... What do we get out of saying that this is the past and not the future? Why was that decision made? It's not clear to me. Yeah. Well, there is like a past theme, sort of like going back to your own past and your when you were a baby and stuff like that. Maybe it's that's a, true. Yeah, maybe it's like a development thing, a child development thing. I don't know. Before you were born, maybe it's like a the void of like what was life before you were born. Yes. Random theory. There are a lot of... I started to make a list of, like, you know, story structure says that you're supposed to go back to where you started, right? Mm. That's what a lot of people say Structure, story structure entails. Mm-hmm. In Earthbound, there is that moment where you need to go back to the library to get the Overcoming Shyness book. Mm-hmm. And then you return to stuff like six times, depending on how broadly you define this, um, before the game is over. Like you go into, like in a literal, semi, not literal, in a weird sense, going into the lost underworld is like traveling back into dinosaur times. And then going to see Ness's house, Ness's uh, baby house. On the way to Magicant is like a regression, and then being in Magicant is like a regression, mm-hmm. and then arguably going into the Sea of Eden can mm-hmm. represent like an additional re- regression inside there, and then you have to go back to Onet again, mm-hmm. and then later on we'll probably go back to Onet again. So there's so much, and so having this be in the past. Um, as like the unformed state of the universe. This is before before there is like an outside world. And also it being at the center of the earth, I think is I call it the center of the earth because that I kind of my pet theory is that this is as deep as it gets, but it's certainly very, very, very deep inside the earth, and so there's a there's a very primordial element to it, but it's not presented visually as a primordial place. Mm-hmm. It looks like the dead future. I think that you're sorry read... to talk so much. Oh, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I, d- I had to think about what you were saying so I could then think of things to say in response to it. Like we're podcasting. 
I guess. Um, no, I think your idea is supported. I think that you mentioned two things that that I'm thinking about now, about how when they were making this game, they probably weren't really thinking about a sequel, but there are, like, things that have come up in this discussion that end up being things that the sequel is really into, particularly mm. with the the theme of, like, nature versus science technology or what have you which i don't think is something that they're thinking about on the surface here but definitely feels like a an undercurrent theme hmm. in some of the presentation here uh and then you know okay oh, yeah keep, keep going keep going the, the other thing is you're, you're talking about how maybe this is like you, you consider this the center of the earth and i think that's supported by uh, a similar place that shows up at, towards the end of mother three that is like more mm. more explicitly that and they're very connected thematically the two different yeah. areas in different games and so i think that you've just hit on something that these are ideas that are present in the background as they're working on this game that maybe with some time in between the two games they looked back and said hey we were on to something with these two ideas maybe we should go mm. further with these ideas and end up being yes. like things that are drawn out on the next iteration which is you know mm -hmm. i think it's there but i don't think it's like surface level yet well what strikes me about the technology thing is something you said made me realize all through this game robots and inorganic like totally inorganic creatures are uh, a stock enemy mm -hmm. uh that you keep fighting and sometimes the robots are more important than others but like the idea of robot as problem i don't think there are any nice robots in this game yeah are there oh there must be somebody is there maybe there mm -hmm. isn't <laughs> i i feel like i'm gonna find out that i was wrong but there's good machines but not like robots yeah yeah so I think that this game, like th through most of the game, presents robots as, you know, they're alien, they're non-human, so they're a problem. And then very late in this game, the idea of uh, combining organic and robotic life is presented as perverse, undesirable, uh obviously like necessary in the case of these kids being turned into robots but it's not great that that happens to them mm -hmm. and so then throughout mother 3 uh the it's the theme remains developed and you pick up where mother 2 left off and the idea of combining people with robots is like the baseline that keeps on getting developed further does that track i think so yeah mm um mother one has a nice robot in it right that's true uh a patriotic robot oh no that <laughs> one's not the patriotic robot um yeah there's one one good robot in that game uh it's eve which is like a robot that your grandfather built i think wow that exists to assist you in the final push because your grandfather kind of had knowledge of everything that was going to happen hmm. maybe, and yet maybe he had the apple of enlightenment who could say 
Whoa. The name <laughs> Eve in like a religious sense. Oh yeah. Is short for evil. And so probably Eve was secretly an evil robot all along. Well, it, you know, it continues or to tie back into the... Or if you met the other robot, Ill. Uh, that's an... Hey, how about this? Uh-oh. Hey. Uh-oh. A robot <laughs> named Eve49. And I-L is Roman numeral for 49. Ah. Is it or does it have to be XLIX? Oh, I have I no idea. Oh, maybe. <laughs> okay. I'm not I don't have to write that down because it's recorded. There you go. That's why we record everything. <laughs> uh I forget where we were going. <laughs> I think we've Well, we talked about robots. We spun the wheels oh, yeah. on this so much. They're cute little robots. Yeah. They're very like utilitarian. One thing that strikes me about the robot sprites is, I know this is stupid, but the uh, diagonal walking sprites for the robots have the pixels at like two pixel or maybe three pixel horizontal blocks indicating that they're walking up at like a 30 degree angle or a 20 degree angle. And... Everywhere else in Earthbound, in fact, in some places, very, like, uh, uh, obviously, diagonals are presented as 45-degree angles. Mm -hmm. And so the robots are kind of out of phase with everything. But I don't think they would look as good if they had straight 45-degree angles on them. Probably. But that's what I think about whenever I walk diagonally as a robot. (laughs) Uh... So we have to navigate this final, final, final dungeon. You're fighting a bunch of robots as well. Yeah. Not just robots, though. There's no, also... not just robots. We got... Um, I ran into a squatter demon and oh, was yeah. like, yeah. oh, right, they reused that sprite. For uh, the name squatter demon. This is yeah. the, uh, the boogie tent sprite, which is just the face. Uh, yeah, I don't that's think a good it, one. I don't, I don't think there's an implication that there are tents here. I think it's just a weird human <laughs> face that is existing in this final area. Well, and like with the boogie tent, we can imagine that this, like the sprite of the face represents some other shape that is too big or too horrible to represent in the battle screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perhaps, like, that we postulated that the background of the boogie tent battle was, like, that's the tent and this is the face on the tent. Yeah. Possibly the background. And I remember boogie tent, or, sorry, squatter demon by itself has a pretty intense battle background, right? I cannot recall specifically, but there's some good battle backgrounds around here. They get very intense. They pull out all the stops for battle backgrounds in the last few minutes of the game. As they should. There's also the bionic kraken, which I guess Mm. is being bionic means that it's uh, mechanical. So we got another robot here. Oh, but it's it's, uh, both. It's this. Doesn't bionic mean cyborg, basically putting some robot stuff onto an organic kraken? Yeah. And so this is the very first mother three enemy is i guess so 
Hmm. Yeah. Uh, this enemy is famous because this enemy has the gutsy bat, which I don't think we talked about yet. Oh, yeah. I think we talked about everything around it, but we didn't talk about it. Where the bionic kraken shows up in, like, the last screen before the last, the last screen where there are random enemies. Yeah, yeah. It's not anywhere else in this cave. And... It shares a spawn table with pretty much every other enemy, so your chances of actually running into one is, like, low. There's playthroughs hmm. where I just would never see this guy. Wow. And this enemy has a 1-128 chance of dropping the Gutsy Bat, which is the actual best weapon for Ness in the game. And now, this is the one where the player's guide had this wrong. And yeah. said that regular Kraken has this item and not Bionic uh. Kraken. And you couldn't just retract something in, written in a player's guide. <laughs> so for many years, people thought that was just true. Until people that could pull the game apart could point at it and say, no, look, <laughs> that's wrong. Yeah, that's hard to prove wrong when it's 1 in 128. Yeah, it's also a ridiculous place to try and farm a weapon <laughs> Yeah, that's only marginally better than the weapon you already got for free. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, earlier in this dungeon, I think, actually. Oh. The legendary bat is here, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it's a very silly item to even try and obtain in the first place. Hmm. Interesting that they did that. Uh, what else is going on in this cave? I like the final star man. That's a great name. There's, yeah, that's very good. You're you're sure now that this is it. This is uh, it's a sign that we're close to the end. <laughs> we should that's mention weird. Okay, the final star man is the the golden one, right? Uh, yes, gold with okay. spikes. Oh yeah, yeah, gold with spikes. I keep on wanting to call it the king star man. <laughs> I know that's not right. That'd be a good. I see how you get there. Yeah. Gold spikes. That's where the king is. Yeah. Uh, We should mention that the discrete areas of the cave are separated by just chrome orbs that warp you. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't expect that to happen. I thought this is going to be a boss battle or something because you're fighting all these metal things with strange shapes. And then, yeah, just warped. But it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, this whole place is yeah, pretty straightforward. There's no like gimmick it, really, just, except that you're robots, which is you're robots, and the enemies are very, very mean. Yeah, they're really trying to wear you down, and there are ma- magic butterflies. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we talked about this a little bit. Like I, I was under the impression that basically every dungeon, or I want to say every dungeon that jeez, uh, I, I i'm not going to qualify it and that way we can find out whether it's right or not every dungeon has a place where there's a, a safe spot where there's a magic butterfly and it's not like the magic butterfly is 100 percent spawn but there is a safe spot in every dungeon i don't think that's true but i think that's true in many dungeons in the game mm-hmm. i don't think it's 100 percent, but i think it's that, that that is something that happens a lot yeah and there's no exception the, here Exception I can think of is uh, that when you do 
uh, when you try to get up to the meteorite the next time that or the second time, that's not there's no mm. magic butterfly to help you there. And who cares? You can go back this, to yeah. You can go back to to the uh, phase distorter, and you can call home. <laughs> uh, you can call your dad, and I tried that, and he acts like you have a cold. Yeah, that's right. He's got text where he's like, "It sounds like you've got a cold or something." I hope you're getting not getting over whatever you're whatever's happening. Yeah, but still you also are able. Home. Yeah, it, like that's how time travel works works is it just sends the the phone signal forward in time Mm. yeah but forward in time the correct amount yes so that your dad perceives this as you calling him after you called him last time Mm -hmm. can you imagine if you called him and it was like experience totals from the beginning of the game (laughs) that would be good be complicated yeah what what if you called your dad's number and you just got a busy signal because phones have not been invented yet? Or because you're already calling him in another time. <sighs> Considering we've seen phones that are actually like minor birds, I feel like <laughs> electricity not being invented yet is not a problem. Yeah. It works out. Well, we can make our way to the end of the line, which is this like cliff face entrance that's like some fortress of solitude looking thing yeah Mm. again they bother to make this cave entrance look different from all the other cave Mm -hmm. entrances it's a triangle uh we can go inside and we enter a my notes say is a classic hell brain machine room Mm, that's a good description classic hell brain machine room where there's a bunch of bunch of pulsing tubes the kind of, of like flesh yeah. mm. makes it look like a like sulci and gyri in the brain is how i look at it look like earthworms to me it's gross yeah whatever you it's think it looks like gross. it's gross and you got to walk on it you walk on it and the there are like breaks in the tube or whatever it is uh, that like snake off and rejoin and they are navigable you can walk mm-hmm. on the like the weird offshoots which always amuses me <laughs> and it's like a long area you walk through you would think you just like walk in and the final boss is there but they make you like walk all the way through this hallway yeah they make you walk up in classic rpg faction the bad guy is way at the end of the tunnel at the north end of the tunnel you get there. But it's not obviously the bad guy. It's some sort of HR uh, Giger tube brain eye orb thing. Yeah. yeah. And if that wasn't scary enough, it has Ness's face. Yeah, it like it either has Ness's face or it projects Ness's face. It's a mirror. Or it's somehow reflecting Ness's face. Mm-hmm. Like his it's a spirit mirror. It's not clear what's going on. No. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's like at even at the beginning of time in the center of the earth, the, the climactic instant of the universe, uh-huh. the most important thing, the face that appears, is that of 
the the kid that you named with your own name at the beginning. Mm-hmm. You are the chosen one, the special one. Yeah. And then some guy shows up. This friggin' guy. Who, again, we... We we take the plot of Earthbound so seriously, and we try to track out Pokey's path through this narrative. What has Pokey been doing? Pokey seems to always be one step ahead of us. And, oh my gosh, he shows up at the very end. And... In one way, this traces a character arc for him, sure. But in another way, this is kind of equivalent to a certain doorknob that just keeps on showing up all the time as a joke. As like the annoying guy who you can never shake him. He's always Mm -hmm. a problem. Mm -hmm. Please be open to interpreting Pokey's appearance here as a joke. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the whole time the whole time in this entire game, it could have just been the bad guy that you're chasing around. It could have been Gygus or one of Gygus's mini bosses yeah. or something. Instead, it's your neighbor, the annoying kid who lives next door. So, yeah, it I mean, it's definitely like it it does not it it's out of place to have like the your neighbor, the annoying kid yeah. here at the end of this game with this terrifying final boss. I mean, and yeah, uh, it kind of just serves to like familiarize the unknown, right? They've tried to yeah. keep us on our back foot as much as possible with the way the way they've presented things here at the end, and it's like, okay, we're gonna give you one final thread to reattach you to, mm. yeah, where you came from, and it's this jerk. Yeah, and he's the one introducing Gygus, describing Gygus telling you what the situation is. Yeah, they're going like to try and make the host. present Gygus as an inhuman thing. Yeah. Host is a great way of putting it. Um, and it wouldn't make sense, you know, like we wouldn't know enough to be unsettled if there wasn't someone to give us the context in plain English. Yeah, of, it definitely would The thing wouldn't. you see behind me is the... All, the source of all evil in the world or the evil mm. power i'm going to explain exactly what gygus is and in like the language he uses is not super helpful you know when you're writing the encyclopedia of everything in earthbound but from the player's perspective you need to it helps to distinguish the uh like just someone who the, distinguish the wielder of evil from the embodiment of evil itself what does he say you want the text i, I have it this an hour ago yeah ness are you surprised it's me pokey i assist only the strong and able that's pokey you guys look pathetic the apple of enlightenment has already made a prediction but i won't let what the apple of enlightenment predicted take place you guys will be beaten by gygus gygus will be stronger a more powerful entity than any other why because of me I was led by Gygus, and now I'm here. The Apple of Enlightenment couldn't predict this. Master Gygus, no. Gygus is no longer the wielder of evil. He has become the embodiment of evil itself, which he cannot control on his own. He is the evil power. So he's even the saying... he is the evil power is a intense one to stop talking and initiate battle on. Hmm. At least that's where the no text says, So now let's fight. 
No, you're mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Okay. What were you going to say, Sarah? He's kind of asserting that he's now in charge almost. He says, yeah. Master Gygus. I mean, Gygus. <laughs> like he's, he's, yeah. he's the one who's, he's, he's trying to place himself above Gygus this whole time at the, the end here. Yeah. Yeah. There's a implication that off screen, Gygus went from being a character who we never met. Yeah. And was led to this conclusion that the only way to win was to just give over and become an evil cosmic horror. Mm. And it sounds like from this that Pokey was extremely happy to facilitate this because now mm-hmm. Pokey has retained, is still a character and can still have agency in a way that mm-hmm. Gygus now cannot because Gygus is just a force to be directed. Mm. And that puts Pokey in this position of power. That he's extremely happy to have. I wonder if there's an implication here that if it wasn't Pokey, it could have been you or it could have been some other kid. Like, maybe that's part of why you're up against your neighbor. That's interesting. It's very scary to imagine your neighbor being, like, uh, either falling under the spell of evil or, you know, following the evil power and deciding to give in to that sort of... uh, temptation or you know whatever it is greed or yeah we never get any indication of when pokey starts working for gygus or what caused him to start working for gygus or what like when did he change sides or was he always on that side we are just left to guess hmm yeah, not knowing that also makes it more, like, scary or, you know, you don't know what, you know, if it was something about him or anyone could have fallen into this trap. I guess I also want to read it as the effectiveness of the surprise and the humor of the moment is, like, we, if, if, if Pokey's, like, actual cosmic evil is set up uh is set up in too much detail early on then Mm -hmm. there's no force to this moment right Mm -hmm. yeah i mean he says are you surprised and it's a funny moment because it's not really a surprise but it is sort of a surprise because you don't know what happened to this point i we yeah up to this point, what the, the first time player knows is that Pokey has gone back in time. <laughs> and we're kind of expecting to find Pokey back here. Mm-hmm. But we haven't gotten really the sense that uh, we're going to fight Pokey. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we've even really gotten the sense that Pokey is Gygus's right-hand man. Has that has something been said up to now to tell us that? I don't think so. I really, it feels like there's a deliberate, not misdirect, but like a deliberate lack of information where yeah. with Pokey's trajectory, we just see him continually attaching himself to like progressively more and more powerful people. That's true. Yeah, yeah. And then he's off doing something and he's moving places and we know he's been places, but we never get any real clue to what his intentions are past a certain point 
and mm-hmm. we can infer that he's probably involved in that but like at the very be, end yeah when when he we he takes the first phase distorter to that cave and now he steals the other phase distorter and goes to like we know that he's heading to the same place we can infer that or we should infer that he's going toward Gygus. yes but mm-hmm. we don't know whether that's like you could just as easily see Pokey's corpse on the way up to Gygus yeah. because he thought he would serve the ultimate evil and it destroyed him instead. Yeah, that's or there's a common story. Or like a role reversal. What if Pokey the whole time has been trying to get to Gygus to try and help you beat him mm. or something? Yeah, like that's not the story yeah. they're telling, but like you could go in that direction mm-hmm. with the with the material presented. You could then shift that direction with it yeah or he's like ah it's too scary now you got to beat him i'll help and then he runs away (laughs) yeah he's in the last battle but he only has the attack options from the beginning of the game yeah (laughs) (laughs) so uh the the point of all this is the the fact that he is gaikus's right hand man all of a sudden is not something that we can take for granted Except yes. as people who've played this game before. Mm-hmm. Yes. It and also... In, like, okay. the his characterization in Mother 3 is so deep, right? That I think it, um, it, it goes back and informs how people read Pokey in Earthbound. But for 90s kids, you know, like, there is a reading of the game where Pokey is... Uh, there's a lot less to Pokey. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I think it's all serviced also by the fact that I always had a hard time as a kid parsing the sprite that he shows up in. Both like oh, yeah. both the out-of-character sprite and the in-battle sprite. Uh, where now I can look at it and see what they're going for. That, okay, yeah, they're trying to do Pokey. But like as a kid, that weird spider mech one on the on, in the non-battle sprite just didn't I could not parse that at all. And then you get into the battle sprite that we're going to get to in a minute. And it's like, he's like discolored a little bit because of what they're doing stylistically. And so Mm -hmm. he just kind of looks like a weird alien guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not uh, obvious at all. I feel like as a child, I thought that was Gygus before before I ever got that far. Like leafing through the player's guide, looking to the end. And seeing them talk about Gygus and seeing huh. that sprite, I'm like, well, is that Gygus? Is he a little alien guy in there? <laughs> um, and no, it's much worse than that. You but. think Gygus is like an alien in a jar? Just a guy in like a big round bubble? That's not what Gygus looks like. No, but like in my, you know, when I'm 10 what a or dumb 8 playing are. this, like, and I'm just leaving to the end of the player's guide, I look at that and I'm like, oh yeah, he's a little alien guy, of course. He's the mastermind behind everything. <laughs> if I can point out one last time, I don't think anything about what how Gygus appears here or what he does or says here has any meaningful connection to Geeg as he's presented in Mother. Like I I I he he Gygus here is so outside of any context or like history that treating this as the same character in like 
a really straightforward first he was a demon baby in a tube and now he's screaming skull face in a contraption like i don't i don't see what you get out of that at all it seems like a completely different character for practical purposes there's only like one contrast i want to bring up but that'll be uh two battle phases from now so we'll (laughs) we'll, we'll wrap back around to that I need to real quick look up what the battle phases are. Oh, I can because give it I to am you. bad at this. I got it. I got it. Okay. Uh, the out. battle starts. Um, you get the final, the 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 boss battle uh, effect, and I feel like it lasts a little longer. They let it trail a little longer this time. What I noticed was that it took longer to begin. There was a pause after he says he is the evil power, and I'm like, sort of hmm. fighting. <laughs> They, they draw this one out so that yeah. you know it's like the final battle. Mm. Uh, and then we get another one of my favorite songs in the game. Yes, it's good. The, <laughs> the one maybe I liked way more as a kid than I do now, but I remember really liking this song. Yeah. Um, it's Pokey Means Business, I think, is the what the track is called. I have to go back to my notes. Oh, yeah, that's what they call it. This is um, the one that starts out. I still don't know bit. who originally called it that. But mm, yeah. I'm happy to accept that as the title. That one feels evocative of enough name that I have that that feels like a there must be some liner note somewhere that means that's the actual name of it. Hmm. Somewhere. Somewhere. Uh this is the one Sarah, you describe it. You were describing it. This is it starts out sounding like uh like eight bit music, like a really cool boss battle, and then it sort of turns into a rock song. Yeah, it's it does this like fake eight bit thing that is not a mode that this game's music has operated in at all. Yeah. Yeah. But it definitely sounds like a boss battle. There's no mistaking it. Until it gets to the the the, the drop, I guess, as it were, and yeah. then it shifts to uh really nostalgic. Uh, fake MIDI guitar riffs. Yeah. Uh, it rules. Yeah. It's a good. It's a good trick to like yeah. shift your music like that. Yeah, it is. And it's not because it's a different phase or anything. It's just part of the track. Yeah, that's wild that they like can't control when that transition happens in, in, in your experience. Yeah. This isn't uh, King K. Rule from the end of Donkey Country. Where it certainly is not. They do the same thing, but that's between phases. This is just, no, no, no. This is a complete statement of a song. Yeah. We have more audio stuff to throw at you in a minute from the subsequent phases. But for now, this is what we're doing in this, like, first climactic final battle phase. This is the battle part of the battle, to some extent. And so. Gygus, who is a mess face on a big biological world, mm-hmm. is casting PSI Rockin' on me. I guess because it has my face. Mm-hmm. It has the power to use my favorite thing. There's also, like, if I can get into the weeds of PSI Rockin', I kind of like the idea that um, 
when Ness is using what he calls PSI Rockin' or whatever your favorite thing is, it's not like he's summoning the power of Rockin' to lay waste to his enemies, <laughs> but, like, he's accessing the primal power of the universe that he's tapped into by virtue of being the chosen one, mm. and it's just the the magic force that the most powerful beings in the universe can use. And he calls it Rockin' because it's his favorite, like, he thinks of a wonderful thought, and that's why he's able to access it. But it would be the same energy when Gygus uses it against you. I like to think of it that way. Very powerful. Alternate explanation, Rockin' is also Gygus's favorite. Yeah. To wit, the music. (laughs) All making sense. Pokey... Can, let's talk about this sprite. He's in a spider mech. Yes. They don't, like... You don't have enough time to think about what's going on. Yeah. But, like, they decided what what, what would make sense for Pokey to be here. It shouldn't just be Chubby Kid. He should be in a robot, and that robot should be terrifying. And, yeah, it has, like, a dome over it so that uh, he doesn't... He can, like survive in the non-atmosphere of the distant past yeah well uh did he have to become a robot to do this as well is that why he's in a yeah. robot suit is that why his skin is all blue or is that just hmm. how he looks through the windshield or is he yeah. blue because now he's a bad guy oh Ooh, that never even occurred to me so yeah none of this is explained wow. i like the idea I, I i personally want to say that the fact that we know that life forms cannot survive time travel, but that Pokey obviously, like, or at least surface level, isn't turned into a, you know, cubic robot, mm. means that Pokey has time traveled b- while breaking the rules about life forms. Yeah, maybe. That's how I like to read it. Yeah. We don't know what machinations he's up to, but it seems like he's figured some stuff out that nobody else in Earthbound has figured out. Yeah. Like he's also get a spider mech. Yeah. He's also heavily armed. Is the he's heavily oh, yeah. armed Pokey, which is a great name. Great mm-hmm. name. A plus. Fantastic. <laughs> Unfortunately, that makes it sound like he should fire missiles, right? I don't think he fires any missiles. Hmm. I think he just charges at you. And he releases a very stinky odor. Oh he's sure. I don't know if his attacks really deliver on the idea of being heavily armed. He's heavily armored, isn't he? Oh, I think it's armed. Can I get a ruling? It is armored. Armored, yeah. So that's okay. What it there is. you go. It's just a spider armor. There we go. Because he resolved it. He's uh, defensive. Wait, where is it saying armored? Where I'm are you on getting Wikibound. this? Wikibound. I'm looking at Wikibound too. It says heavily armed Pokey. Oh wow. Okay. Where uh, on Wikibound? Oh yeah, there is that. Um, that's strange. I'm Wikibound on the has it both ways. page. On if the Gygas page. On the on the Porky Minch fa- page, it has both listed. Yeah. Well, I wrote down heavily armored in my armed. notes. I think that it is in fact armed and. Uh, you and some Wikibound editors have made a typo. Hmm. But he well, is heavily any, armored. If it's That's any true. consolation, in Japanese, it's heavily equipped Porky. 
which could hmm. be either uh, of yeah. the ways that we're talking about. <laughs> the perfect. Well, that's why we get outside information in order to create compromises. Yeah. No, his only attacks are discharge very stinky gas, charge forward, and tear into you. So, I don't know. I really want this thing to... When you're heavily armed, I want to see a missile come out of a big bank of missiles on the back of the spider, but that doesn't happen. This thing's really like an Akira Toriyama-looking mecha design. This is a Dragon yeah, Ball. This, Frieza was in this thing at some point. Frieza was in this thing. It doesn't look like the really sterile uh like smooth robots we've seen so far it's no. more in the biological yeah uh like gooey gigas version it's cool uh, it is cool and he has a gross smile mm-hmm. uh his mouth is you know like what four by ten pixels but they managed to make him look like his teeth are really gross yeah, it's really scary. It's like a nightmare. The whole thing. This whole, uh, you know, as soon as we get into the past, I think that as opposed to telling, you know, a concrete story, I think that m- most of what happens here is designed with an eye to being as creepy and upsetting as we can make it. Yeah. Now I'm going to look at the overworld sprite of heavily armed Pokey. Uh, yeah, it's just like... It's very busy. It's not as good. Yeah. They try and pack a lot into too small of a little area and it makes it yeah. hard to read. And he's not blue. There you go. <laughs> I don't know if I... There I go. I don't know what that means. You had Well, your... anyway. Yeah. You do this boss fight... Uh, I launch all my strongest attacks at Gygus. Okay, smart. Well, that I forget work. what even happens if you do that. Does he reflect them on you? He reflects everything. Okay. So you gotta start over. So now I'm dead. Now I gotta make that run again through the cave. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can't actually damage Gygus in this first phase. He is invincible and will reflect all attacks. So instead you have to lay into Pokey. And beat yeah. him up a whole bunch. Very satisfying. Well, if there's a neighbor kid who annoys me, and uh, his parents are rich, and his social skills are lacking, then what I really want to do is murder him really hard with a bazooka. <laughs> In a video game. Y- yeah, y- yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, he's going to emit a stinky odor at me, which is more justification for killing him. He, uh, if you focus fire on him, Gygus only uses, like, Rock and Alpha and Beta, as, as far as I saw. Yeah. And uh, if, you, if you remember to uh, set up a Shield Sigma, then you're, like, you're pretty free and clear. Uh, even if you don't bother to set up set up uh, Shield Sigma, I think it, it like this is not the hard part of the fight by any means. Because Pokey, how much HP does Pokey have? Couple couple thousand. Not yeah. I'm not gonna look. Yeah, it is exactly it two thousand. Mm-hmm. There you go. Uh, yeah, you can do that, or you can just launch a multi bottle rocket at him. I've done that in many playthroughs. Hmm. 
Oh, I didn't bring any multi-bottle rockets. That I didn't dumb. this time, but I've definitely been like, I'm just going to hit him with one attack and end the fight. Cool. And As then long- he he dies, and then Gygus gives up, and you can go home. Yeah. No. That's not what uh, You get more dialogue that I don't have in front of me. What does he say? Uh, I can go here. I understand you guys are already claiming to be heroes. I haven't skipped anything, have you? Have I? No. Mm-mm. Well, it is a gazillion years too early for you to oppose Gygus. You must be feel pretty stupid to keep fighting without even knowing what Gygus looks like. If you were ever to see Gygus, you'd be so petrified with fear you'd never be able to run away. That's how scary it is. So, do you want me to turn off the devil's machine? Well, prepare to be amazed. Devil's and machine then, in quotes. Uh, yeah, yeah. And in then, title case, like that's a thing. It's not referred to anywhere else. No. Yeah. In fact, this game doesn't even say devil anywhere else. Hmm. So that's a surprising so, question to be asked. Yeah. Um, and then, but we see um, famous, like, screaming skull smoke uh, inside, like, the background. And Pokey explains, so isn't this terrifying? I'm terrified, too. Gygus cannot think rationally anymore, and he isn't even aware of what he is doing now. His own mind was destroyed by his incredible power. What an almighty idiot! <laughs> yep, that's what he is. <laughs> and you, you will be just another meal to him. Does he keep talking? No, that's it. Okay. Uh, the transition here is good. Also, Ryan, good job on the pokey voice. Um, yeah. I discovered that I had a pokey voice. Because I didn't try to do a pokey voice, and then I was like, oh, I should have done Ryan's onto something here. Um, <laughs> uh, the specific transition is that it cuts into cuts from the the scream we were at before to now the Gygus background is wa- like wa- waving in the background. There's like a superimposed layer of like the residual devil machine on top of it, hmm. as it's yeah. like we don't see it like moving away, but the implication is it's kind of moving away, like it's like the doors of Jurassic Park opening or something like that. Hmm. <laughs> Um, and then it scene transi- scene transitions again, and now we, the players, are just staring at a background, and the background is the final boss. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's creepy. And literally the background is the final boss, because they, I mean, like, obviously, literally, but the fact that the f- background is the final boss means that the final boss can do all this mode 7 stuff that they have built into the background system. That we've been seeing all through the mm-hmm. game, and I don't think that this this phase of the battle or no phase of the battle uses any tricks that haven't been used in previous backgrounds. It's just that now you're staring directly at it. Mm. Yeah, we're That's cool. On some level, we're attacking a part of the game now that we were that was previously like off limits. Well, don't say that because that's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> um. Where'd my notes so, go? What, what is the devil's machine? What is that? It makes it look like a, the sphere with Ness's face. Like, a, is that somehow more palatable than this? It's like a containment device of some kind. It's a jar to keep your cosmic horror in. Yeah. I guess. It, the, the devil's machine could obviously uh, uh, accomplish any number of goals. But the only thing that explicitly it, it 
it's described as doing as saying, well, when it's turned on, you don't see Gygus for real. And when it's turned off, you do see Gygus for real. Mm-hmm. It's just strange that it exists and, only in this moment. I think it's like, yes. it's unsettling to be confronted with this thing you don't, you haven't heard about and you don't know what it is. And mm-hmm. maybe that's all that needs to be. I mean, it's kind of, I guess, I don't want to say implied, but I think many people will assume that the devil's machine is also putting a cap on Gygus's true power. Mm-hmm. And by turning it off, you're letting Gygus be not only scarier looking, but stronger mm-hmm. and better at killing you. Yeah. You're getting the unfiltered Gygus now. And, Whereas and before, then... there was a level between you. Mm-hmm. And we get a lot less fun music. The music gets a little more <laughs> real, too. <laughs> I would not describe this as fun or music. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Well, yeah. It's, uh, I have... it's, okay. it's not like a fun boss music anymore. It's like, it's getting a bit creepier. Yeah. In every way. Yeah, the game gets scary here. Yeah. Pokey takes a step back from the scene, and now, you know, what passes for comedy relief is gone. Now we're just directly confronting evil itself. Mm. Uh, And it's not like a triumphant final battle here, like you get in some Mm -hmm. RPGs. That moment has passed, and now we're in it. Which is interesting. Yeah. There's a couple things here. There's... Gygus's attacks here are all... You cannot grasp the true form of Gygus's attack. And then you get the phase disorder effect of a circle Mm -hmm. just kind of moving into the foreground at you. Mm -hmm. And then an Mm -hmm. attack effect happens that you have to deal with. Um, Yeah, that's also another example of... Like, you don't get the fun little quotes in the battle anymore. You're getting this obscuring text that just makes it harder to understand and creepier. It's not really fun anymore in that sense either. And this is where I wanted to draw a contrast. Because going back to Earthbound Zero, they do this in the Geek Boss fight. But it doesn't work nearly as well. Hmm. Because in that one, you're just fighting an alien in a tube, like Ryan was saying. And it honestly kind of doesn't make sense there for the attacks to be inscrutable based on everything we know about that character in that game, where hmm. in that game, Geek is a character who we know things about and should be interacting with more directly, whereas now we're encountering this cosmic terror that is so terrifying that we can't even com- like truly comprehend it. Hmm. And so that almost feels like a idea that was really good the first time that they're like oh we can do that better next time we need to use that <laughs> in the next game <laughs> cool and do a way better job at it so that's huh. what that feels like to me is somebody's good idea that they're like no 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 we can do it again. We do it again but better yeah because it works way better here i'm noticing um when wikibound describes gygus's attacks they're missing one um because he one of his incomprehensible attacks is 
actually psychic thunder beta and it does two lightning bolts and uh it, it can be reflected by the franklin badge mm. so it like i can comprehend the form of that attack it <laughs> is lightning and then one is pretty obviously flash omega because it doesn't do much of anything especially on my guys that have earth pendants attacked uh, equipped and uh but it like makes you cry or faint mm. or feel strange i'm like I, I know what that is that's psychic flash um but another one he does deals a lot of damage or deals a, a damage to all my whole party and um, immobilizes them sometimes mm. as if he were casting freezed alpha or beta on everybody at once. Hmm. I could I don't believe that even Wiki a description doesn't have all this information properly. I, well, they can't understand the true form of these attacks. Yeah. Uh, the, along with the you cannot grasp the true form is we get dialogue from Gygus seemingly yeah. that is just a bunch of weird creepy like tone messages of Gygus usually saying Ness's name either a yeah. couple times or a page worth of times um, or saying it hurts or it feels good. Uh, or like friends. Ah, yeah, ah. Friends is friends the one I is saw. A good thing to say. I'm happy. It's not right. I'm happy. Uh, just just like random emotions. Expressing emotions. Yeah. Yeah. And this is all. There, there's a a, 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 a semi apocryphal story about this that I think everybody is on the same page with now. That this was inspired by Etoy as a kid walking into a film that was like a, a film for adults that a very violent and disturbing film for adults mm -hmm. that had like, like a murder <laughs> scene and it's not uh, it's apocryphal because people say oh well it's he's putting that dialogue into the game and it's like not actually any of that dialogue but he's trying no. to invoke the idea of walking into an adult situation as a kid mm -hmm. and like hearing it and understanding that it's unsettling but not really knowing why mm. i think that's when so I effective read it's that totally interview, what i get from it i was looking at it recently and i didn't really get the impression that it was even that direct a i had i had this experience and i want to evoke that part of this experience in here it was just like something he brought up as being similar oh okay hmm. i could believe that too like, in an interview that like go ahead go ahead uh, it could be very direct or it could be not direct in just a connection he made after the fact um yeah. people talk about that interview as if it's like setting out once and for all the <laughs> meaning of this fight oh yeah and it uh, it's not like, that i i think People, especially people in 2006 on the internet. Yes. Were not, uh, they didn't have my very, uh, very, very uh, smart, good understanding of the creative process, which I have a very smart and good understanding of. And I'm smart.
well, you did this in a game, and I don't remember which game it is, so this is me... Oh, this, thank you for bringing this, this up. The spot that I was going to ask you, because I know you did this in a game, and I don't remember which game it is. It's it's interesting, because I, I was going to bring that up as an example of multiple influences, like the creative process being not just, uh, well, I have X, and I'm going to put X into the thing, and it, it's all very cut and dry and straightforward. I was eating at a Quiznos in the mall in Iowa City and I heard this woman in the halls of the mall on her cell phone having this really angry conversation with someone and so I was only hearing her side and you could hear it from anywhere in the mall and the main thing she kept on telling the other person was you're not listening uh, which we were all listening, so I don't know how that works. But like, I, I thought this is really disturbing and scary to hear just this part of this conversation. And so I made this game. It was my my interactive fiction version of the They Might Be Giants song, The Statue Got Me High. Oh, right. Which, again, wait, let's, let me uh, stroke my own ego for a little bit. This is already, it's a game based on the They Might Be Giants song. It's based on a bunch of other They Might Be Giants songs. I try to put in lots of references and create characters out of lots of different songs. It's also based on the uh, Don Giovanni opera by Mozart, and specifically the commendatory scene, which is the only part that anyone knows of that opera. Um, So it's already combining lots and lots of influences. And for the part where everything got weird and surreal and scary, I thought, ooh, I should have random text from this very angry woman just Hmm. interspersed in the dialogue uh, that doesn't really come from anyone in the story. It's just scary text. In retrospect, and I was probably influenced subconsciously by here where you have scary dialogue showing up for no reason, but like, it's not like I said, I will take what I learned from the Gygus fight and I will plug it neatly into the rest (laughs) of my creativity. I was just doing lots of combining ideas that are combinations of ideas. That's how ideas work. Mm. Did I mention I'm smart? Taking notes. I think that's I think that's on the 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 web page for Third Strongest Podcast. I think it mentions that. Okay, good. I guess there's one other thing if we're gonna talk about people obsessing over Gygus and being weird about it. Um Oh, we're not to that yet. Oh, that's the next phase. You're right. Okay. So you deal 2,000 damage to Gygus. And uh, then Pokey shows up again. And he says, <laughs> You must... I forget how he did the voice. You must really be at the end of your rope. In this bizarre dimension, you four are the only force fighting for justice. And here you stand, waiting to be burned up with all the rest of the garbage of this universe. <laughs> That's so sad, I can't help but shed a tear. You know, my heart is beating incredibly fast. I must be experiencing absolute terror. Do you want to scream for help here in the dark? (laughs) Why not call your mommy, Ness? Say, Mommy, Daddy, I'm so frightened, I think I'm going to wet my pants. I know you have telepathy or something, so just try and call for help, you pathetically weak heroes of so-called justice. No one will help you. (laughs) Don't worry. Your pitiful suffering will be over soon. I think that's all one speech. I believe you are correct. Yeah. Okay. And then the background changes 
And now we're in the third phase. He says in this bizarre dimension, which we yeah talked, we kind of it's come up the idea that all this cave of the past stuff is kind of a separate dimension anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's like okay, okay. Um, uh, I love the idea of him yeah. haunting you and then being like, "I'm also terrified of what's happening." But <laughs> yeah, it's good. yes. He like they they put him together so well as the kind of craven jerk like you you never get the sense that pokey is just a sociopath like i think that he's absolutely in command of all his faculties and he is just that greedy and self-absorbed yes yeah he doesn't mind a little terror um and he tells you you know you have psychic powers so you could try calling for help but uh no one will help you it sounds like a classic villain speech to me. I'm not taking anything in particular from this speech to heart. <laughs> well, here, I'll say right now, as I'm playing the game an hour ago, or wait, this podcast has been going for an hour. As I'm playing the game this morning, and probably every other time I've ever played this game, I knew what I had to do, but I thought I'll do once the next phase starts, that's when I need to start my other strategy. Mm -hmm. And so I will waste all kinds of time on this phase thinking that, oh, I just need to deal some more damage and I can get to the final part. Note to self, this is the last part. Uh As soon as the background looks like a fetus, you can start praying. (laughs) People are obsessed over this for like, a period of time in like early aughts, mid aughts, late aughts. People had some really like, they got really upset over it. And (laughs) so I think that earthbound fans have this trauma such that they don't want to bring it up. I I had a a conversation on Twitter with someone and I was, I, I said something that I guess is, controversial and i was told don't bring that up stop don't (laughs) we're going there we're going there thank goodness we're going there it's wrapped back around that now we just don't talk about it the fact that everybody was obsessed that the battle background for gigas at one point you can squint it kind of looks like a sagittal view of fetus you do not need to squint that is what it looks like yeah but like i don't I never I, bought it. I didn't know really? that this was an obsession, and I also didn't notice that. So what does that say about me? That you're know. normal. I, don't know <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it's, I can see how, like, a community of fans or an, an internet of fans would start to latch onto this, though. Oh, I like that, you know, an internet as a measure word is really <laughs> yes, good. That's the collective like term for fans. That's scary to me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that... It like it's a case of here's what it it is this it does look like a fetus and all you people who think it, it doesn't look like a fetus are crazy, uh, but I don't think it's a case of you're seeing things and everybody like one person said fetus and everyone else is just like flocking to that. <laughs> it it looks like a fetus in that if I point up at that cloud and say that cloud looks like a fetus, 
You can't tell me I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and plenty of people have said it with no prompting. That's what my dad said when I showed him this years huh. ago. Early. I said, do you see any image in here? And he said, oh, like a fetus? That's funny. And I meant to show it to someone else. We should get Jason on. We should see what he thinks. Um, and I was meaning to ask Emily. Anyway, um, no, I uh, don't okay. like. What makes me angry is the the decision that, well, there's one correct way of looking at it. And people who see it any other way are hallucinating or perverted or insane Hmm. and that's what the discourse has turned into and that's what i've been secretly stewing about the whole time we've been making this podcast secretly be doing discourse you mean secretly stewing about it oh okay (laughs) i just had to look this up and look at an image because i really couldn't see it until i specifically went looking (laughs) yeah but people like for a period of time, ran with that and then extrapolated from that all sorts mm-hmm. of just like nonsense. Mm. Yeah, re- not I. I don't want to be too dismissive, but like some very silly reads mm. uh, on what's the uh, interpretations of this whole final battle that I don't think are supported mm-hmm. by the text. And then reading Wikibound, apparently somebody asked Etoy about this, which that makes me mad that you would <laughs> go to the creator and ask yeah. about something like this. Like, no, don't do that. Zach, be cool. I'm I'm mad at you now. What'd you say? You cut out. I'm I'm mad at you now that I'm dismissive of somebody going to the creator and bringing yes. this up. I don't see what is so unacceptable about the idea that they drew this Gygus sprite to look like a fetus. Oh, I'm not taking objection over that. I'm just saying, don't bug the creator over something like that. Why not? People ask him all kinds of questions. I guess, but it's just like, I don't know. So what do you say? Now what they, the, what else, the other thing Wikibound says is that um, <laughs> if one trace, if one, if one traces the outline of Gagas, the background appears to be a resemble a human fetus. This started uh, a popular fan theory that the chosen four are traveling to the past to fight Gygus as a fetus and are stopping the devil's machine from giving birth to him. This theory was conformed false by Shigesato Itoi, however. Now, as obsessed as I am with this idea, I really want to know when and how and where Itoi conformed this theory to be false. And from what I can tell, when he told that story about seeing that very disturbing movie as a kid. People read that and they were like, oh, that's what the Gygus battle is. It's a version yeah. of that movie he saw as a kid. Yeah. So all of you people who think it's a fetus, you're wrong. Huh. Because it's this thing and it's not anything else. Hmm. Now, I do think that interpreting Gygus as a fetus or a baby of some sort... I think enriches the whole scene uh, because Gygus has reverted to this like incoherent state. And you see like, like what I was saying earlier, the story is all about like, it has all this going back to stuff. You, uh, you can see this as going back to like 
regressing to the moment of birth and the battle with Gygus as like an expression of the trauma of birth hmm. is one way to look at it. I think that that uh, becomes a, a cool read and, and it like adds to the the theory of return, the theme of or the supposed theme of motherhood. If this game is called mother, supposedly, what does mother mean? Uh, it can mean all kinds of stuff. Uh, so I just it it really bothers me when people treat the the seeing the fetus as some completely bizarre out of left field idea when in artistic analysis we're allowed to see shapes and come up with wild ideas. That's the ball game. Hmm. However, I However. won't I won't make the case that it's definitely intentional and everybody who thinks it doesn't look like a fetus or thinks that doesn't make sense is stupid or blind. Thank you. I also think like I'm just thinking about how in I don't want to say this. Like is this is an online problem? But there's, like, this thing where when there's a lack of primary sources, you get things where, like the interview we were talking about, where he mentioned the film and that got ran with in yeah, a way yeah. that maybe isn't exactly the intention behind what he was saying in that interview. And then it gets mm -hmm. regurgitated so many times that it becomes this, like, kind of a gospel for a while until somebody can yeah. actually go look at that original text and somebody else who might have a different read on the translation of that comes along uh i lost that sentence but there's something to be said about like lack of primary sources or lack of people translating primary sources that mm -hmm. lead to really to to reads taking over the common like brain space of a fandom mm. um sure there's a lot of like if you go back and look at a lot of the gundam fandom how did i know you were about to bring up gundam stuff <laughs> you're, i have you're no idea i don't know anything about any gundam stuff at all but as soon as zach said there's a lot of i'm like is this a gundam thing <laughs> there's there's a lot of takes and a lot of reads on older stuff that permeated in the like american western fandom for like a long time that only have been shaken off more recently because people have more ready access to the like original texts mm. it like there, there's entire shows that just weren't translated up till like 10 years ago in like a more official capacity or just a more readily available capacity and stuff like that Ten years ago is probably it's probably longer now, but like there's all sorts of baked in like things like this where somebody read an interview once and interpreted it one way and then would have an opinion based on that, and then that opinion yeah. became the gospel for a decade of time until now people are 
No, I think that's absolutely what much, happened with yeah. Tomato's in, uh, translation of that interview hmm. where like the it was I don't think it was the whole interview. They pulled out that the section having to do with that. Yeah. And so you get like a, a translation of a couple people having kind of a vague conversation. And then Gygus said, or Gygus, Tomato, who I think of as the Gygus of the internet, <laughs> uh, says, so there you have it. it. The battle with Gygus is inspired by X. And people interpreting things really want to be able to say, like, the secret meaning of this work is this sentence. Hmm. When I get this sentence, I'm I'm done. Well, that's it. I solved it. Yeah. yeah people are people seeking a solution. <laughs> yes. But uh, so that just that, that as I know from being very smart. Things are complicated and composed of many sentences. Mm, true. But anyway, yeah, that, that all speaks to that. I'm just like thinking about that and thinking about. Is there an example from sources. Gundam that you can tell us real quick? Uh, Classically. The, the, how quick can I do this? The original show in 1979 exists. It got a sequel series, uh, Zeta Gundam in 1982. And then that got a sequel series called Double Zeta Gundam. I think it's 82, 82, 83, somewhere, whatever, it doesn't matter. You have Gundam, you have Zeta Gundam, you have Double Zeta Gundam, and then you have the film Char's Counterattack, which is like one complete statement. Because it was not really ever available, and because the people that did have it available didn't like it, the longtime, like, fandom opinion was that you skip Double Zeta Gundam. You skip that third show, that, show, that third show doesn't matter, it's, it has no relevance on anything. Um, this is just a wrong take. This is just like, it is just as important to understanding that whole section of media as the rest of it if you want to like have a whole picture of it but because the people that were able because it wasn't like readily available translated for so long the and many of the people who were able to access it and understand it because they knew Japanese had a poor opinion of it it had a poor reputation in the West for a long time. And now, thankfully, people just have access to that, and they're like, oh no, this is good too. <laughs> and it, like, helps form a more complete picture of the big story that's being told, that was told over the that 10-year period or whatever. I, I am in love with the the the, the fandom idea of this, this whole season, this movie, whatever, you can just skip. It doesn't exist. I feel like that was a an early aughts thing that <laughs> yeah. internet communities were able to say, well, don't worry, listen to us. Here's the correct watching order. Correct, yeah. And that's the thing. And it's I, it has not occurred to me that that has, I think, changed... In, in the culture today, I guess with the availability of all this stuff, yeah. yeah. Um, That's the way I see it, yeah. It's just, honestly, people, just it comes down to more availability. Just gives people... People still say that kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. But, but they don't get to set the, the discourse for everybody else in that way.
Yes, exactly. Not to that extent. Not to that extent as the early internet days when access was just limited. We should probably get back to Earthbound. Um, so... Now, J-Mac, I, I have an ulterior motive. An ulterior motive. An interior motive for talking to you today. That's at least three motives, but um, my time is your time. <laughs> Um, we're jumping into the episode in the middle of talking about fighting Gygus, and, uh, before we get to my ulterior motive, I, if you have any impressions about the Gygus fight, please share them, because the podcast will benefit from your insights. Do you want me to just, like, spill everything? Like, having, having fresh... Uh, go ahead and spill stuff. Freshly like, We don't peeled. want to take too long, but then, why... Why wouldn't we want to take, like, it's it's content. Even me talking about this is content. Okay. I didn't know if you wanted to, like, approach this Socratically, if you wanted to, like, ask me questions and, like, chip away. I've what got I questions think. to ask you, but I want you to have a chance to, you know, express what you would have said on the podcast if we had you there. Okay. The Do you want me to just read, like, what I wrote you guys in email? And, like, and, 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 sure. uh, yeah, okay. Cause I can, it's not that long. Uh, okay. So sometime in September. <laughs> I said, status of my playthrough, colon, played and played, and then spent all of Friday night and much of Saturday morning, the weekend before last, trying to beat Lavos, I mean, Gygus. Oh, no, sorry about that. That's what I wrote. Uh, anyway, even with my foot resting heavy on the rewind button, as usual, I couldn't quite get him. The only real items I brought with me were as many multi-bottle rockets as Jeff can carry, and they're not all that effective against the big guy, are they? Using the full breadth of my cheating ability, I'm going to zap back to before I get into the Mr. Saturn thing and try to gather up a more sensible loadout. Listening to the most recent TSP episode gave me some ideas. I admit that I am curious about the fact that defeat keeps you in your robot bodies with a free hotel service, quote-unquote, but no way home. And there's no shop to refresh your used-up items, is there? It seems pretty harsh, especially with the one save slot. And then later, I finished Earthbound. I had to look up how to beat Dude. That's what I wrote. Oof. Surrounded by asterisks. I absolutely misread the game's cues here. I felt positive that you're supposed to pray until what's-her-name can't think of anyone else. I uh, I also couldn't remember Paula's canonical name. Uh, what did I call you her? You named her what's-her-name. I didn't name her. What? No, there's not enough characters for that. I'm trying to remember what I did name her. I named, I named her something dumb. Uh, it'll come back to me. Uh, I felt positive you're supposed to pray until what's-her-name can't think of anyone else and then just cathartically smash the weekend boss to pieces with bats and frying pans. That feels so cinematically correct. And after looping on that for two full episodes of Star Trek Lower Decks, I gave up and looked up the answer. Phew, okay then. And uh, that that is everything I wrote to you in mail. Uh, yes, so... We reached the problem, like the problem with the whole premise of me doing this episode in the middle of the episode, which is we don't know what we already have talked about from the listener's perspective. Yeah. Or what we will be talking about and the stuff that we say will be redundant and stupid. Sure. Uh, but we got into the like the way the the fight works, the way the challenge of or the puzzle of the fight works is well let me see if uh 
this uh if you jive with this that like not just having access to the rewind and save state functions of the switch or of modern emulation but the like mindset of gaming in the 90s is what makes uh this this battle like make sense on any level and the mindset of gaming in 2024 uh is like cannot handle the kind of trick that they pull here is that the the thesis of the show or is that is that what you're pulling out of what i just said or both oh no that's that's kind of what we got into probably after this in the episode oh right okay uh i but like you having told us your experience was part of our evidence yeah, uh, I, I, I mean, I, as the main, as, as speaking as the evidence, I would agree with that, uh, with with that with that <laughs> conclusion. Yes, I think that's I think that's an apt insight. Uh, anything else to say about Gygus? Oh, there's so much to say about. It. Like, so I just, I, you know, I did the thing. I watched the YouTube. Uh, what are the notes I took down? Uh, the first thing I wrote was, "It looks like you're walking on guts." And yet you're robots. So I thought that was kind of cool. I don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Approaching him. Um, I don't remember the deal about the the, the devil's machine, which even uh, Porky, excuse me, Pokey puts scare quotes around. And that seems like a very literal Japanese translation, uh, which is just kind of sitting there. And it's even stranger than the Apple of Enlightenment. I, I don't know what's going on with that. And I look forward to uh, seeing what the, the group consensus is, if anything. Um, um, we, I, I got to answer this before you get any do it. further. We, we didn't, we don't know what the devil's machine is, but I think we didn't mention this on the podcast and I don't think I'm remembering this correctly, but I, you might be right that it's something that like it says demonic machine or something in Japanese Yeah, yeah. and it was translated into a proper noun. And so that's where that comes from. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's in, in referring to the like mask, like, I guess it's meant to be like a reflective mask, uh, which I think Zach or one of y'all was, was, uh, hypothesizing perhaps that is the apple of enlightenment, the shiny round thing that is embedded in the body of Gygus, uh, that is reflecting Ness's face back at him. But when I was playing it, um, I, because it's so like distorted because like during the battle, it's like, I guess it's Ness's face, but it's all like, uh, like, like distorted and, and like, uh, fish eye fi- yeah, fish eye. Thank you. And I was thinking, is that Ness? Cause it, it's so like, it's just a, like a big pixel face. And like, I was wondering, mm. like, I was actually wondering if this was the protagonist of the first game, because I don't know what happened in Ooh. that. Right. And I'm like, oh, is that. Is that the the earlier protagonist? If I if I had played from the beginning, uh, my reward would be like, oh my gosh, a, a secret twist that is known only to me, who has been playing Mother Zero or <laughs> Earthbound Zero or whatever. Uh, so I didn't know. Like I didn't know what that was supposed to be, and what it really reminded me of, which I shared in the uh, in the group chat earlier. Uh, not that there's a group chat, but but which I shared earlier was a spe- <laughs> a specific panel and uh from a story by Jim Starlin and I don't have the author's name off the dome published by Marvel Comics in 1991 called Punisher colon POV in which the uh, Punisher is is chasing bad guys and also monsters in the sewers and 
the twist ending is like the the ultimate monster he's chasing is is this big nasty tentacle fiend and in the middle of it is a, is a child's like a little baby's face and there's a plot reason for that but it's it's very disarming and disturbing and like that <laughs> like it, it looks like Gygus and it's from a comic book that predates the game by three or four years so I thought that was fascinating and that's exactly what I thought of playing it this this panel from a uh, you know, a violent Marvel comic book that I had not thought of in, in decades. <laughs> so that was there. Uh, that's cool. It's always getting nice to get more, like, more into intertextuality on the podcast is what we want. I am looking up the, what I'm looking at is the sprite of the devil's machine face versus sprites or Ness's just plain old overworld sprite. Um, because I, like, it seems to me almost a sure thing that it's just, let's take that sprite and then put a bunch of Photoshop filters. Yeah, I don't see why it would be anything else. I think. Uh, But, like, the idea of it being Nintendo's face (laughs) is really, really amusing to me. Like, that... We can go with it. The thing is, the, well... For a long time in the Earthbound fan community, there was an argument over whether Ness and Ninten can be the same guy. And some people were like, of course it's supposed to be the same guy. Uh, the plot doesn't make sense, but it's a like Legend of Zelda thing where the plot doesn't make sense anyway. Um, and then there's a school of thought that, no, it's a, it's a strictly, uh, strictly defined sequel where there are, are those characters with those names and those events, and then there's, you know, something else happens, and then there's this game, and uh, and everyone had very strong feelings on their version of it, but I don't think there was ever a consensus or anything. Yeah, I didn't know anything about Nintendo as a character other than knowing that there was a previous game with almost yeah. certainly a boy uh, main, main character. So that's that's all I had going on was, huh? I wonder if there's a connection here. That's that's all I had. Well, it's it's a boy character in a baseball cap. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And like you could you could make the case that this <laughs> this isn't Ness's face, this is Nintendo's face, but when you upscale N- Nintendo's face to 16-bit, it's going to end up looking identical to Ness's face. They are different guys. Oh, I see. But they look identical. So when, if you show Ness, Nintendo's face in this context, then it has to look like Ness's face. Talk about a surprise, uh, resolution. Hey, Hey, anything else? Uh, just that, uh, I love, 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 uh, Pokey's dialogue so much. It is, it is so oh, good. Yeah. Cause at the beginning it's just like, Mwah, I'm assisting the master of evil. Now you're so doomed. And then the point at which he's he's he first mentions the, the devil's machine, quote unquote. And he's like, I'm going to turn it off. And it's so scary. You'll wet your pants. And it's like, there's OK, there's like a, a, a I guess that's kind of a scary face, but it's not worse than any of the other strange things the game has been showing me for umpteen hours. <laughs> and so like, yeah, OK. And then like he comes back and he's like, ha ha. Oh, what do you think of that? I, I don't even know what to say, Max. Uh, what does he say? I wrote this down. He's like, I must be experiencing absolute terror. 
And he's like <laughs> excited when he like he's so manic and he's clearly talking about himself and he has been for quite a while. Um, mm. And I just I love that so much. And uh, he's he's just completely losing his mind and in a way that is just uh, very amusing and 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 highly disturbing. <laughs> very good. Just more just uh, that's just superior villain crazy villain writing up to the very end of the game that's so the thing is i was really impressed with the writing but i was treating pokey as being pretty lucid like he he is terrified but he is being sincere when he's like you like you must be terrified like he's also really sure of himself and sure that he's going to succeed um so that's interesting. I, I think all this can be true. Like, so I don't have the text dump in front of me, but he does say like something leading up to that about like how scared you'll, and like he clearly, I read that as he didn't, whatever the devil's machine is, he himself did not want to turn it off. And he is hmm. doing it as a desperate measure and is telling Ness how completely scared he'll be and how uh, sorry he'll be to see this. And I, it's clear that Pokey does not want to flip the switch. And he, Pokey doesn't know what's going on, he, what's going to happen next. Um, and he, he feels forced into it, and he's putting on this bravado uh, to make a attack out of it instead of this, uh, this desperate, this, this desperate uh, swing that he does, which ends up making uh, Gygus vulnerable, uh, ultimately. Apparently, yes. Yeah. Well, uh, on the subject of the swing, the swing. I want to show you the... Here's... The background from the game. There he is. There's okay. the guy. And Guess. the question is, when you look at this, is there any kind of secret shape hidden in the background? Or in the image? Okay, I'm say. just going to tell you I can't do magic eyes. So if this is a magic eye, I can't, I'm, okay. not, I'm not going to do that. Um, so what I see when I look at this is what I saw playing the game and that the, the shape in the middle vaguely looks like a screaming face or a skull or something. Mm-hmm. It's just a, it's just a red face going raw, but it's, uh, it's, it's swirly twisted. And that's in the center of this, um, sort of hairy spiky spiral that doesn't look like anything in particular. And, and that's Are all I sure? see. Hmm? It looks like shadow the hedgehog to me. It looks like Shadow the Hedgehog. Um, Shadow the Hedgehog is a little bit after my time. I'm just going to come out and admit oh, that. Okay. Yeah. Is, is Does Shadow the Hedgehog have sort of a, a black and red color scheme? Is that where, where, where we're going? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I could totally see that. I um, could see that. Okay. Let the record show that I'm showing Jason the f- what is, is uh, the Gygus background two. So after you unlock the Devil's Machine, but... Before the third phase of the fight. Yeah, and, the, and this, uh, this graphic is, is sort of like wobbling back and forth. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Right. Now, do you see any hidden shape in this one? Well, I see the same sort of like generic raw face, except this time, instead of being in, in, in the center of a spiral, it is inside. Um, it's kind of creepier looking because it looks like it, it is in, in a honeycomb, right? It looks like there's a bunch of these faces that are inside of uh like cells for lack of a better it, one might say it looks like the uh, uh what would you say the fruiting body of a, of a lotus pod that that thing that Ugh. yeah right that if you have a fear of holes you you don't want to look at one of these things because they're they're really disturbing it looks kind of like that to me so it's a bunch of okay. uh Gygus seeds mm, terrible 
Well, I won't lead you on any further. Let's do this. Let's. Um, what what some people see in this is a, a fetus. Huh. Okay. I could I could see seeing that. Well, let me let me go back here. I go mean, back to what? In, oh, like I'm, I'm looking at both of these. Sorry, I had to scroll back because oh, okay. I could only see one at a time at my in my tiny little screen. Um, I guess I can see that, but it, it, you have to like a, want to see it. Like that's like saying you can see a rabbit in the moon. Um, mm-hmm. You have to be told like where the parts are, I suppose, and that this is like a, a pinkish reddish figure that's curled in on itself. Uh. But I don't, I cannot easily identify, like is, I don't know, I, I don't want to ask for like a map of a, like here's, here's the head and here are the toes. Um, like I'm being asked to be guided through an ultrasound or something. But I could see the argument, <laughs> put it that way. Uh, well, let me then, I'll, I'll give you the map. Oh dear. Um, well, okay, the, take this lobe where the screaming face is least distorted and it's more of a sphere. Or more of a circle. Uh, this lobe. Are you? Uh, if if we're looking at it like a map, what quadrant is this? Uh, well, it repeats. So. Oh, okay. So any of these, got it. <laughs> but you see that one area of black space is rounder than the other, like oblong area of black space. Oh, I see it. I see it. So that's that. Okay. Yeah. 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 I see a head with a little face, a little yeah. nose, and a little chin. It has little. Uh, it has a nose and a chin. And does a if fetus you see that really as... look like that? What? Does a fetus really look like that? I guess. I don't know, man. Well, I okay. No, no, no. Go, go ahead. I interrupted you. <laughs> Please continue. <laughs> um I think that like a fetus has a bulbous head. A fetus does have a bulbous head. I'm going to be uh, willing to believe that, yes. With a with a little tiny and body. And a little nose. And a little nose and yeah. its little legs are curled up and sort of end in, indistinctly, but then you can say, Well, there's gotta be an umbilical connection there. So yeah, all right, all right, all right. Huh. Uh, no, I I I think that the, when you look at the the strongest part of this whole thing is the shape of the little fetus face on the bulbous head. The little face is like, hard to deny. It reminds me of the famous uh, uh, rainbow water tower in Quincy, Massachusetts, outside of Boston. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? No. Do, what? I, do any of your listeners have any idea what I'm talking about? <laughs> I think it's in Quincy. Let me wait. Let me look this up. Uh, let's see. Rainbow. Water Tower, Boston. Actually, it's not a water tower. It's like an energy. Uh, Rainbow Swash. Oh, don't Google. I don't care if you know where I am. Uh, Dorchester. Wrong city. Dorchester. Yeah. Uh, if you look up uh, Rainbow Swash, I didn't know that was its common name. But um, it is It is a, a, excuse me, not a water tower, an LNG tank, storage tank, a, a liquefied mm. natural gas storage tank, which if you lived in Boston... And you drove on, uh, you know, around there to get to one place or another. I think it's on Route 128 or 93. It's been a while since I lived there. Um, you would have passed this many, many, many times. Interstate 93, there it is. Well, considered one of the major landmarks of Boston. My point is this. So imagine, if you will, a squat uh, LNG tank. It's, it's a big, white, um, d- sort of elongated dome, elongated upwards. So it has, it has a, a, it's a cylinder with a hat. And 
uh, painted on it for 51 years now is a abstract rainbow, right? So just a, it looks like some, a, a giant has it's taken like a paintbrush. It's of color. Yeah. Yeah. A giant has taken what, a paintbrush. Like finger painted almost. Yeah, exactly. Or, or yes, or perhaps dipped each of their fingers in a single color and just gave it a good yeah. swipe. And the blue stripe is particularly famous because it sort of looks like you can see the profile of a face in it. And it sort of looks like that face has a long beard that tapers to the, the end oh, of the I, blue stripe. Oh, I see it. And what I was told growing up was that that was specifically Ho Chi Minh's face. Okay. <laughs> for for reasons known only to the artist. Um, I'm not going to sit here reading the Wikipedia article. I'm sure it gets into that. Perhaps not. I don't know. But that's what I was told growing up. And that's what this reminds me of. So there you go. Uh, hmm. And that was the city I was when I was living in when I was a fetus. So that's my connection. <laughs> wow. Um. Yeah, so uh, in case I didn't say the whole sentence, I want to, you know, I want to say what my position is, which is the, yeah, the fetus face is very strong and easy to recognize. And then you kind of have to say, well, this part would be the body and that part would be like a hand or maybe an umbilical cord, but I don't know. But I think it's, I, the the question really comes down to <laughs> whether it is fair to say it looks like a fetus or whether you have to qualify that as it only looks like a fetus to people who are expecting to see a fetus or who are mentally ill or no i think something. it's entirely fair to say like yeah i i see a little i see a little baby here and i think that would you know, that that's of a piece with the fact that the first stage of the boss fight had a giant pixel kid head on it anyway. So you're not yeah. really stepping far away from that to say like, and you, you dig down through these layers and you see, you know, a tiny, a, a, a tiny, vague, uh, but unmistakable child, tiny child in profile with this I think it's very much weird it, screaming face the on, of... on the side of its head. Yeah. <laughs> Everything else we see, like, leading up to this battle, um, we're in some sort of creepy biological space. Uh, the, the game has evinced an obsession with, uh, not an obsession, but like a fixation on baby as an important thing somehow by showing oh, yeah. us Ness's infancy all through the game. And it's really choosing that it, uh, well, I mean, you already get that in, in, in the image of Gygus itself in that, like you do see like a screaming face there, but it isn't, it isn't a pixel face. It doesn't look like anything else. And certainly the little yeah. child's head, it, it does not look like an earthbound person's head. It, it looks like a, a photorealistic, uh, silhouette of a, of a, of a tiny baby. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the context for all this is, Someone noticed this possible fetus head, fetus shape, um, many years ago, posted about it on the starman.net forums, and a big argument broke out about uh, whether you can actually see a fetus in this uh, shape, and what the implications of that for the plot of the game are. 
And if, uh, if we, if it turns out that secretly the final boss of this game involves terminating a fetus, well then, oh dear. wow, yikes. Yeah, but you, and so people mm, got okay. very upset about that, and I was uh, about to start arguing with these people a- across time via you, and I'm I'm going to uh, allow myself to not do that. <laughs> okay. Uh, the thing is, ever since then, when people bring up this idea, I've just been consistently disappointed in the tenor of those conversations, where. Either it's someone uh, putting forth a really sensational, like, here's the secret meaning of Earthbound and it's super dark, uh, like, presentation of uh, yeah. theory. Or it's people saying, how dare you, like, there must be something wrong with you if you think this in the first place. Um, don't bring this up. And I think that, like, in a context removed from the initial trauma of a rancorous forum thread. We can talk about this like adults and like think, well, it kind of looks like a fetus. And what would that mean for the game? It could mean a lot of interesting things. It doesn't have to look like a fetus. I, the, the big point I want to <laughs> get out there is uh, it's okay for people to see it either way. I agree with this statement. Thank you. And I don't think it's like weird or freakish to to say like, oh yeah, I see a fetus or or a baby there because um that is <laughs> that would very much be in sympathy with so much of the symbolism uh of yeah, of the entire uh final act of the game up to and including the fact that as you approach Gygus as you walk along these these internal organy looking structures and you come up to this big uh, sort of very vague biological portal. And then there's a little animation that really looks like a, a, a child's head is emerging from a little slot. And like, that's yeah. really, that's really what that looks like. It's, it's, it only happens over uh-huh. three frames, but it's there. It literally occurs while you're watching. Yes. So it wants, it wants you in this mindset, whether you asked for it or not. <laughs> and I think like, like historically in the context of culture i haven't played every jrpg or seen every anime but i feel like squeaky biological reproductive imagery is not off the table i would agree with the statement in this in this particular within earthbound even before the last act of the game uh when you have <laughs> when you have a scene where it's not even hidden or sublimated or anything this ghost tells you i'm going to rip off both of your arms and both of your legs i'm going to pluck out both of your eyes like that's the game that we're playing mhm it's willing to go there it yeah was there anything else Oh, you're asking me? Or are you... Uh, uh, no, I'm trying to remember. Okay. Because, you see, the whole point of this this conversation between you and me is to function as backbiting passive aggression in response to the conversation we had on the podcast. Cool. So that I... 
you you've been party to some uh underhanded ulterior motives and i'm just trying to remember if there's anything else that someone said on the podcast that i have to now uh get you to say the opposite so that i look good understood i'm here for it but i don't i think we covered everything it's 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 funny that you think you're the only host in conversation with me but I suppose you're the only one with editing tools here. So there you go. <laughs> well, okay. If you bring that up, the thing is, it's very important for the, like the scientific instrument of this conversation that nobody said ahead of you ahead of time, watch out. Ryan's going to ask you about the fetus thing. I promise you that n- nobody actually said that to me. Okay. <laughs> I was because not slipped I, any I wanted, information. The the fact that you didn't see a, a fetus right away is diagnostic, as is the fact that you're able to see a fetus when it's pointed out to you. Like, if we were talking about a triangle, yeah, and don't get me someone started. said, I think this is a fetus, mm-hmm. and people said, No, you have you're deranged triangles don't look like fetuses then there would be a different conversation but it's not a triangle it's not it's a it's s- like a blob with a little thing on the side that looks like a nose it really does it looks like a nose at this point you're supposed to start praying like pokey told you to do and that's it pokey tells you this but not in it's not super obvious. It's very obvious in retrospect, but to a first-time player, certainly, it's not clear at all. And Gygus will keep on taking damage for as long as you go on attacking him. He, there is no feedback that's like your effect. Your attacks have no effect. If you made this game today, <laughs> there would have to be some kind of uh, feedback that you're doing something wrong, because in the Earthbound game. 1994 or 5, you, the feedback that you get is you eventually die and you have to try again. And I'm pretty sure that was the intended solution or the solution track that you would be like, why can't I, why does nothing, I can never beat him at this point. I have to try something else. I think that's what's going on. That is what it's happened a- to me. <laughs> It's obtuse enough. You almost have to ship a player's guide with the game to fix it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That does make sense now. Yeah. This was, I remember this part of the game. I don't remember all of the game from when I was younger, but this was so frustrating because I tried everything else. (laughs) And like the entire game, you kind of learn that praying is not that useful. It might hurt people. Uh, in your party and you have much more powerful attacks now and and in addition to that the way at least when i play when i played the attacks that are happening to you are more likely to kill paula than everybody else so once you start losing the ability to revive people you're just trying everything you can think of that other people can Uh do and so Uh i found this super frustrating (laughs) And when I remember finding out what you were supposed to do just by trying it finally and being kind of, you know, rolling oh, my eyes so a bit. Oh, that's so nice. 
I'm I'm really glad to find out someone figured it out organically out of desperation yeah, like you're supposed but, to. But really, like, I mean, that is the way you're supposed to do it. But I felt like it was way past the point where I where it would have been satisfying to figure out on my own. <laughs> <laughs> and the same thing happened and- this time. Uh, I've been playing this game with my partner who's never played Earthbound before. And so I let him try it. And I didn't want to give it away. And he got super frustrated. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, same thing happened. I don't think it's... Like, when I was watching it this time around with, with Pokey's speech, I was like, oh, I think that might be a hint. But yeah. I don't think it was super obvious at all. It's just a very typical thing for a villain to say. Why don't you call your mommy? Yeah. You know? And yes. praying is not the same thing. Yeah. You don't no, know yeah. that's what's going to happen when you're first playing this. We know that we've seen that Paula has telepathy and you can you can if you squint a lot interpret that as setting up for her using tele- telepathic powers at the end. Yeah. Uh but when she uses the prey attack she, like it's not presented as a form of telepathy. It's like she's asking God or something to rain down some kind of light. Mhm. It, it doesn't come off as a telepathy power at all. Yeah. I wonder if it is something to do with the name of the ability or some kind of translation thing. Maybe it would have been easier to understand in the original Japanese. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I was thinking this time around, um, for other reasons, this might not work. But if the ability was called call for help or something, like the enemies call for help. Um, oh, interesting! Yeah. Then that I think that would have been more intuitive, something like that. But I can see why they wouldn't want to do that. I well, I, off the top of my head, having that option in your thing in your battle screen, call for help. Um, that is, you know, I don't know if it's more evocative. I mean, having prey there in the battle interface is amazing. Yeah call for help would also be very good mm-hmm. and like you could have the same effects but having it like you call for help and a dazzling light involved yeah yeah that's it. that's really cool and then at the end call for help actually calls for help in it that would that would be very good actually yeah i, think I don't so. see why they didn't do that that is ultimately what you're doing yeah um though call for help is the language the game uses to like bring another enemy in yeah it does but like if you you could absolutely set it up so that an enemy uses call for help and another you know skate punk shows up Polly uses call for help and something magical happens mm-hmm. picky shows like, up. okay yeah uh no no paula calls for help and the exact same thing that prayer does in this game happens mm-hmm. that communicates to the player it's the you know it's called the same thing but Paula, when she calls for help, something more cosmic happens. Mm. And then you would be setting up the solution to this puzzle in a really cool mm-hmm. way. So watch out romhacks.net, romhacking.net. <laughs> I have an improvement patch for Earthbound that calls the prey command call for help. And also finally changes Pokey's name to Porky so that I don't have to keep looking at the word Pokey all the time. <laughs> I'm going to release a patch. For your patch that uh, reverses this change. Whoa. <laughs> I hope that's what's going on at romhacking.net, that it's just a bunch <laughs> of like backbiting, passive aggressive improvements to other people's improvements. 
I guess if it were a game these days, they would probably just have her do it on her own. Like after a certain number of turns. Yes. Or something. Absolutely. Um, or I, I think if they did it th- these days, then none of your attacks would actually deal damage to Gygus. And so you would know that yeah. those are a waste of time. Yeah. You would stop trying them a lot faster. And to, I, I mean, maybe we've had something, maybe we've correctly identified what it was like to play it in the 90s. But coming to it as a player in the 21st century who's been playing, you know, games that have been designed the way that they've been designed for 20 years. Um, this, I can see why nobody playing Earthbound for the first time understands this. And I know why J-Mac had so much trouble, especially when you have access to rewind and save states. It's mm-hmm. like, I must be doing something wrong. I'll try something again. Mm-hmm. It, it Like the, a player in the modern landscape should and can never feel the desperation required to force you to click on prey. But it's really cool that you pray a bunch at the end of the game to beat this howling darkness. It it's amazing. Cool. It is very cool. It's suddenly in in this, you know, we've spent the last like feels like ten episodes talking about how Ness is the most important character in the game. He doesn't beat the game. Yeah. Paula beats the game. Yeah. It's so obvious, right? Looking back. It was her all along. It's... <laughs> and I wonder if that's just because she has always been more attuned to the game as a narrative. She's more plot focused. Hmm. Well, she seems to know it's going to happen a lot of the time. And that's more important than having the strongest stats. Mm-hmm. I guess. Well, you could also look at it as like, it's not you alone. You're here with all these other kids for a reason. Yeah. Well, we got to pray a bunch, so you should probably get to it. Okay. Yeah, it's a lot. Uh, There's nine times you pray, is what I have here. Yeah. And I have a list. I have it memorized as nine times. It didn't feel like nine times when I did it this morning. Yeah. I wrote down each one because I didn't remember which each one was. Oh, cool. Uh, The first prayer... Uh, you chose everybody in Saturn Valley. So all the people that we were just, the, the, the last people that we saw before we went to this final dungeon, we see them return to Saturn Valley and they receive Paula's prayer and start praying for your praying. Oh no. I'm already <laughs> just like a phone call. Her prayer goes to the moment in the past or the, in the present that she left. Mm-hmm. Just uh, to remind you how time travel works. And then we get the uh, amazing line uh, that is, Gygus' defenses became unstable. Oh, hold on. We got something amazing before that. Oh, what happened before uh, that? All of the Mr. Saturns felt a new startling feeling they had never experienced before. And they all started praying for the safety of Ness and his friends. The Mr. Saturns had some sort of awakening early on, earlier, when we got back to there and they... The Mr. Saturn said, I think new different things from now. Oh, yeah. Uh, and what, what that idea was that the Mr. Saturns unlocked from their experience with the outside world, we don't really know for sure. But it is not the same as the feeling that they got from Paula praying a million years ago <laughs> that caused them to start praying. Like, the 
the Mr. Saturn's had a spiritual awakening in this moment. <laughs> Possibly they didn't have souls until just now. This is another thing that bothered me when I was a teenager playing this, like a young kid. Um, I was I was like, is this suddenly like a religious themed game? <laughs> it's like this whole time this game I was playing and now it has like a, a message for kids. I don't know. I, I was like, this doesn't feel like the same game, but uh, it is still funny looking back now uh, to think of it as a religious awakening among the Mr. Saturns. Uh, like... It depends on how you interpret prayer yeah. in this situation, uh, because clearly it doesn't mean uh, like praying to the God in a straightforward Christian yeah. sense. Yeah. Because for one thing, she's praying to everybody else on Earth. Yeah, um, it's an unusual sense of like, the word. At least when, when I was a when they teen. It's, when they get this message, they start praying too. So, like, it's not clear what it really isn't clear what prayer is yeah. here, and it might be a cultural thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I just I think it's really cool. Yeah. I have always thought it was really cool, and I will always think it's really cool. Well, who else um, do we pray? Oh, okay. Gygus's defenses. What became unstable? became unstable, and then the background shifts. So you know you've done yeah. something right. Becomes more fragmented than before. Kind of it, broadly speaking, it's it's like the same background that we see each time, or like a permutation of it. And as we progress in stages, it goes from one big creepy flying skull to several to even more. As it just. Mm. Their mode seven scaling it down, yeah, and it just tiles to fill up the screen, so it's smaller and smaller, and there's and more starts and more. gyrating more rapidly. Uh, and they're doing the the stretch and skew, yeah, as well as the translation of. Go watch that video on retro gaming. <laughs> Pretty soon they'll start doing the palette shifting, but that's when you're really in trouble. The next is the Runaway Five, yeah. who somehow somehow got their tour bus to Summers. Sure, they took the boat. They took <laughs> the same boat we did. We didn't take a boat there. We flew there. No, we took a boat from Summers or Summers to Scarapa. It went from Scarapa to New York City. Okay, and then back to <laughs> Summers. So they're dancing in the uh, street, and then suddenly. One of the runaway. Five. I don't see them as dancing in the street. Oh, okay. I think them as they're just like going about their business, like looking for ways to waste time in between gigs, <laughs> losing uh -huh. for ways to sign bad contracts. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and it says suddenly one of the runaway five felt something stop him, and he prayed fervently for the safety of Ness and his friends. So, one of the runaway five, uh, in English, the only one we know has a name is named Lucky, right? Hmm. I think so. Yeah. I don't think we get uh, Gorgeous's name. Who's the right. other Mario guy? And so he could he could have said Lucky of the Runaway Fives felt something stop him. But I possibly it was the saxophone guy. Yeah. Well, it was the drummer that was separate from everyone else in that scene. Oh. Okay. Probably him then. The drummer's Maybe. the most spiritual one in the band. I like this. Yeah. 
he has the most midi chlorians. Yeah. So, uh, so we get that. It, yeah. Oh, Good. No, it just it feels like you're kind of expanding the circle, starting with the people you just saw, and then you going like chronologically through your journey. There were these were your allies a bunch of times. Well, because the next, so the, the guy gets takes like double digits damage from this, right? Yeah, I don't, I didn't write down any of the numbers, but each time we go back to the battle, because in between each of these, obviously we're going back to the battle, we see a little damage hit and it starts out really tiny and ends yeah. up really big. Yeah. Yeah. So he takes X damage, you pray again, and... Uh, I don't think his his stats don't change. It's not like he gets better spells as you progress, even though the background is changing mm-hmm. and you're probably entering new phases. It's not like he becomes harder and harder to survive during all of this, at least as far as I can tell. Yeah. I believe that's correct. Um, but next it is Paula's father thought he somehow heard his daughter's voice and prayed sincerely for the safety of Paula and her friends. What we see is Paula's dad is walking around outside. He rushes inside and says to his wife, honey, come outside. We need to pray for Paula. And she brings out one of the daycare kids, the really smart one, and they stand outside so they can pray. Mm. Right? Yeah. Sounds right. Um, And then Gygus takes like 100 damage. And then in the you pray again, and in the boarding house, suddenly Tony felt anxious about Jeff, and he prayed strongly for the safety of Jeff and his friends. He is not able to, like, make all the other boarding school kids join together with him, is he? He, he gets Maxwell to come upstairs. Yeah. Oh, Maxwell, so right. But I didn't get the impression, and maybe I just wasn't paying close enough attention, that the other guys are paying attention to any of this. I think they might turn... And face the camera in the way that implies that they're oh, okay. praying. Yeah. But it's not like they run over and form a formation like uh, Paula did. Yeah. Paula's dad did. Mm-hmm. Guy gets then we to get 365 the, damage. Then we get the uh, a bunch of ladies in Delam. Yeah. Because all of Pooh's fangirls uh, are concerned about him. A young woman in Dalam woke from a dream in which Prince Pooh died. She doesn't have the midichlorians to hear Paula's voice. Mm-hmm. So she's just getting like a shadowy mm-hmm. echo of the message from the past. Um, yeah, that's interesting. And does this is what she gets some other girls together, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. So I was I was tracking this. I'm like. We have Mr. Sadness that we just left. We go straight to the Runaway Five, and then we do Paula, Jeff, Pooh, mm-hmm. so that we can lead up to Ness's mom. Mm-hmm. Or so you think. Oh, right. Because then. It's Frank! Let's ah! go! Wow. Haven't heard that name in a while. Frank gets, he gets to be here. It's just Frank. He's just he's it's at just the Frank. he's at the burger the burger farm, and just having himself a meal. And then just in the middle of his day, he's like, "I need to pray for Ness." I love this. I yeah. love that this. Anytime they imply yeah. that Frank was supposed to be like a major character in this game, I pop. <laughs> <laughs> the pacing here is interesting. 
because you have to imagine they they could make you pray as many times as they want to force you to pray, right? Yeah. So they only have to have as many of these vignettes as they believe are effective. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I think it's a sure thing that you have to have everybody's, like, home base family. Yeah. That's required. And then Mr. Saturn's and Runaway 5 are, like, mm-hmm. those are obvious choices. Past that point, you are kind of just having fun. Yeah. And so you introduce Frank here, I think, just to increase the tension because I need yeah. to see my mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. The damage but yeah, everybody to in the theater cheers. <laughs> uh, uh, then we, we pray again. And the and music changes. music changes. Yeah. Oh, you, we need to talk about the music for all the other ones. Because you have the horrifying churning of space-time in battle. Then you have the kind of this, like, you know, mood music. Definitely the music you associate with praying when you uh, see these people out there. But underneath it is the creepy static of Gygus. They a really good job there with that little bit of sound design to make these dreams messages a little creepy yeah but then and Ness's house it's different music it's just the sound some theme i think but like a it, it's piano i think version it's a, of it yeah um it's the music box version of the soundstone music that is it what we heard when we went to Ness's grayscale house before magic hand oh it might be it I'm probably not sure is. It, if it's it not it's sense. close I don't know why they would do two different of that, so it should be the same thing. I believe uh, it. But Ness, Ness's mother rushes. Like, she walks downstairs, and then Tracy like rushes downstairs after her, which really makes me think that they both are getting the message. It's not mm-hmm. like Tracy needed to go or, or Mod needed to go get Tracy. And King also comes in yeah. from outside. <laughs> I love the fake out yeah. here because you hear the door first and you're like, is Ness's dad going to show yes. up? No, no, no. <laughs> no, it's no, the No, I never expected that or even considered really? that possibility ever in my life. <laughs> I, I feel like this is an intentional fake out. Yeah. But also, I'm more excited to see the dog than Ness's dad. So. Agreed. Yes. <laughs> That was my experience, too. Did the dog shut the door? How did this work? Don't worry about it. (laughs) Yeah, it's just a door sound. (laughs) And that's everyone. The, uh... Yeah. Paula can't think of anyone else, which is a slap in the face to beloved characters like Picky, (laughs) Jeldegard Monotoli, Miss Fake... Uh, Mr. Poochie Fudd, Mr. Bowl, Mr. I go stick a Everdread. Oh no, he's dead. So, Aww. well, he would be in a unique position to hear prayers. Then. That's right. That's yeah, right. It's, gonna be him. <laughs> um, it's really no, funny she that can't she can't think, think of, of anyone else. else. It's so tragic. It's it's miserable, and uh, Paula's call was absorbed by the darkness. The way that it, you know. The text in this game is very 
often very deliberately paced in the way that it shows up on the screen. Yes. Mm -hmm. And this is a particularly powerful one of these. Fantastic. Oh, interesting. Yeah? I got goosebumps. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Uh, That's bad. I mean, right now talking about it. That's what I said was interesting. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, this is bad. I think it's... I think you have to decide specifically whether you want to keep trying or try something different. Yes. Because at this point, yes. she can't think of anyone else. Her call was absorbed by the darkness. What else are you going to do? You're going to do that again? It'll just happen it again. It looks right? like feedback. It looks like you're done with that. Yeah. End of list. Now it's time to, to start dealing damage. Right. Yes. But I, I think there's like pretty even odds that the player will keep praying out of actual desperation. Yes. <laughs> yes. Which is pretty fantastic to be able to create actual desperation in your char- in your player. Yeah. A masterpiece of game design. Yeah. The mechanics are reflecting the story. The mechanics are straight up creating the story. Yeah. Pray again and Paula and her friends calls touched the heart of Dot 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 b dot 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 dot. And is this when we're gonna reveal what name we gave to Tony? If we don't do it here, it's just never gonna be publicized. So, well, I guess we could do it on the next episode. Yeah, we should do it. We should do it here. So you, the name appears very slowly, and they do a, I think, a pretty good job of making it appear is so like at the right pace for you to slowly realize what's going on. Mm-hmm. But it, it, that's yeah. also a function of the pacing of asking you this question at the right time, the first time and reminding you of what name you gave the second time. Like when they do that, at what point in the game this all comes up is what makes the joke work. I do think that if you did this right, like if you had this in the first few hours of the game, it would come off as obviously something that's going to pay off later and it wouldn't be as effective. Hmm. But when you do it in the middle of, when you're really in the middle of doing a lot of other stuff Mm -hmm. and it's a distraction, there is time for you to forget about it in the right way. It's genius. Yes. It's funny because they, they put it in, into the story so that you can you're doing something else and you can forget about it but they do it so many times they do make it very obvious at the same time yes. it's really it's interesting. obvious when it's happening yeah and then it goes back to the back and then of your you mind. just kind of, yeah you just kind of forget about it it's really good who wants to reveal their name well i i mentioned that i've been playing this with my partner who's never played before so he decided to put in his full name oh you shouldn't do that <laughs> Okay, well, don't, now you don't Nintendo have to say has on the podcast. his full name. <laughs> oh, you are playing on Switch Online, so yeah, that's just uh, cataloged. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. But you have so much space. Again, like we talked about, yeah. you have so much space to work with. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's interesting, like, I'm sure it's a different experience to have an entire, like, long name versus, like, because when, when the text comes up gradually a few letters at a time it must be different like to see one or two letters versus a bunch more letters. I don't know how they do that. I don't know either. Uh, I can say mine. 
Uh, all my, uh, well, the name I picked was Helvetica Standard. Hmm. <laughs> uh, which is, I, all my characters are named after Nichijou characters, and in the cartoon Nichijou are a bunch of little side shorts called Helvetica Standard that are, like, little 30-second jokes that are very good. Now, the only ones of those I've seen were, like, upsetting and bad. So, was I seeing, like, a parody or something? Here, I'll send you my favorite one. Okay. How do but you have a... that ready so fast? Because <laughs> I take good notes. Here, I'll put it here. Huh. Okay, I'm watching a YouTube video. いいじゃん、いいじゃん。教えてよ、ゆみの好きな人。ええ、どうしようかな。絶対言わないから。言ったら100万円あげるよ。本当絶対だからね。うん。高橋くん。ちょっとみんな聞いて。ゆみ高
getting more and more intense and the sound getting more and more intense. And then the screen starts to flicker. The whole background just starts to like static. Mm. Um, the supposedly this is another bit of received information that i can't verify that the static which is also the static from the opening war against sky thing is like a very very distorted version of the background the hmm. fetus background that we've been seeing okay. sure that's what i've I, i've i don't know i guess really distorting that might be cheaper than storing an image of static. Yeah, I was going to say it's probably way easier to do an effect hmm. with the yeah, exactly. But the fact that it comes off as static um creates the impression at least this time around. I was thinking this is what the robot sees as its you know circuits are overloaded and the video feed to its robot brain is failing. Hmm. It's become a first-person game. <laughs> it always was. Yeah. Oh, because Lyndon Baines Johnson was always watching over these people that he's no, never met before. Because that's how the battles are portrayed. Oh, I see. <laughs> Why not both? <laughs> uh, increasingly, it gets more and more staticky until eventually the whole thing is just static. Uh, and then the game fizzles out like it's Mario yeah. Paint. Like a TV turning they pulled off. out the headphone. They're the aux jack. Yeah. And then there's a flash of your family. Yes. And I always forgot oh, yeah. about this. Uh, I forgot about uh, this until I was playing it this time. And I'm like, so oh, right. Cool. You see your Fade family. To white, my family ceases to exist, apparently. And then, for whatever reason, all the robots are outside the entrance to the cave. Because the... Uh, I don't know what that means. Like, who put them there? Hmm. They got blown away. Or they never really entered. Possibly the whole fight was like a Krakomeyer thing where Gygus kept on pushing us backward. Hmm. Sure. Or they made their way out. And or they never went Oh, in. yeah, they were running away yeah, a, a, yeah. A, as they failed. That's pretty good. So it was a mother brain thing. Anyway, some... Motes of light. Oh, we get our no 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 rising. Not yet. Oh not yet. right. I'm sorry. Oh, you get, dang it. You get the line. The war against Gygus is over. 